Well, I am very excited to start this new series with you all as we look in the Gospel of John and we hear from Jesus in his own words about who he really is, who he really is. And, and the whole point of that as we, as we think about and as we study who he really is in all of his glory and all of his majesty and all of his power, the goal and what should naturally happen as a result of that is that that will impact and shape and define everything we are. Because everything he is should affect who I am. And the same is true for you. And we'll see that. We'll see how John points to Christ in a series of recorded statements by Jesus that that we have come to call the I am statements. That point to Jesus' deity, his divinity. That he is so much more than just a man, that he is God-man who has existed in all of eternity prior to Bethlehem as God Almighty. And John's whole purpose in writing the book, we find in the, at the end of the book, where he says, these things, and, and these things is all that he has written in his gospel, these things I have written that you may come to know and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that by believing, by believing that, you, have, you may have life in his name. That's John's whole purpose in writing his book. And these statements by Jesus really just, just point to that. That in each of the individual statements he makes in these I am statements, it's showing us his, his deity, and then as a direct result of the fact that he is very God, we see what he alone can provide. What he alone is the source of. But before we, we get the, the full weight of that, before we can really sense the gravity of these statements, we have to go back. We have to go back earlier than Christ's ministry. In fact, we have to go over a thousand years before, back in time, to fully understand the weight of what it means that Jesus is, I am. To grasp the power of that. So in, in Exodus chapter 3, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses is there tending flocks. He's already left Egypt. He's now a shepherd with his father-in-law. And he's, he's out there tending the sheep, and all of a sudden he sees this sight that he just doesn't quite know what to do with. It's, it's up on a hill. It's on a mountain. And there's this bush, and it's on fire. But it doesn't seem to be burning up. It's just this perpetual glow of fire without the bush being affected. And, and, and being the, the inquisitive person that he is, being trained in, in science and, and all sorts of things throughout Egypt, he just couldn't get away from it. And he said, I've got to check this thing out. I've got to go see what this is all about. So he goes and he, he looks at this, this site, this burning bush that's not burned up. And as he gets close to the bush, he hears a voice. It's the voice. It's the voice of God. He says, Moses, don't come any closer. The place that you're on is holy ground. Take off your sandals. Moses does that. He has this dialogue with what Scripture refers to in this passage as the angel of the Lord. And in Scripture, all through the Old Testament, when you you come across that phrase, the angel of the Lord, and the Lord is all capitalized, and, and the is prominent, it really refers 
to what we call a Christophany, which is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. He's all through the Old Testament, church. He doesn't just show up in Matthew. He's all through the Old Testament. And the angel of the Lord, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, is the one who appears in this burning bush who speaks to Moses. And he tells Moses, I haven't forgotten about my people. I'm very aware of what's going on. I'm very aware aware of how they're suffering under the taskmasters in Egypt, and I'm doing something about it. I have come to deliver them, and I'm going to deliver them through you, Moses. To which Moses is like, me? Because he has a stuttering problem, which he points to as an excuse as to why God needs to send someone else. God overcomes it, of course. But in this dialogue, Moses says, okay, okay, um, I I hear you. You want me to go, and you want me to go to Pharaoh, and you want me to speak to my brethren, and you want me to be used of you to deliver them. Okay, but but they're not going to believe me. I need something. I need some sort of proof that, that I've actually spoken to God. So, so I mean, who am I going to tell them sent me? Who will I tell them that I spoke to? What will I tell them about you? What name can I give my people? And what name can I give Pharaoh? They need something. And that's where we pick up. Exodus three fourteen through 15. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the Israelites, Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. This is how I am to be remembered in every generation. Yahweh. It's the personal name of God Almighty. It's the personal name connected to the fact that God is the I Am, the one who has always been, who is eternal, who always will be. What he is, he will always be. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is always present, and he is all-powerful. That's wrapped up in this wonderful, beautiful, powerful name, Yahweh. And the nation of Israel, God's people, once this name was revealed to them, they realized the full weight of what that meant, the power of it, the glory of it, so much so that they could not even bring themselves to speak it. So they came up with a derivative, Adonai, Master, Lord, which is where we get our English word Lord. And they wouldn't even write it out in its full context. And when they would write it, they would destroy the pen that they had written the name with because of just the the, the reverence and the awe at God's holy name. Wow. Wow. And so for the first time, God, in, in a way he had never done before, says to a man, a human, I'll tell you my name. I'll let you know who I am. I'll tell you what I am. And I want you to take that knowledge and go and share that with your people and my people. So that's where it starts. That's where we see the great name 
Yahweh, the great I am on display first and fully. And I encourage you just to, to write that in there under, underneath this passage, underneath Exodus 3.14-15. Write I am and Yahweh right in there. Maybe I am above Yahweh. Just so you know that's the name that's revealed in this passage. And you'll see arrows going across from that. Right under John 8.58 there's a blank. John 8.58 is the passage that I want you to to hear and to to understand. But before I go there, just write in this word. Write in the name Jesus. Write in the name Jesus. Connected completely to Yahweh. And you'll see why in just a second. John 8.58. John 8.58. Let me give you a little bit of background to this verse. The religious leaders are questioning Jesus' credentials. They're saying, "Who, who are you really? How, how do you know what you claim to know? And what authority do you have that you're doing these things that we're seeing you do and that you're saying these things? I mean, who are you really? Tell us who you are and where you're from. Because we don't know you. We don't recognize you. We don't, we don't see what authority you have. And just so we're clear, let, me, let us tell you who we are. We're direct descendants of Abraham. Father Abraham. Abraham is our father, and we don't need anybody else to act like our father, so you can just stop. And Jesus says, you're not children of Abraham. And I mean, think about the audience, think about the context. These are the Jewish leaders, the religious authority. I mean, they are the ones who, if anybody is Jewish in their mind, I mean, they are Jewish. You know what I mean? like Paul looking back on his time as a Pharisee and he says, a Jew among Jews is what I was as a Pharisee. That's how they thought of themselves. Jesus just turns that all on his head. He says, you're not really children of Abraham. They're like, what? What did you just say? And he says, yeah, you're not children of Abraham. If you were children of Abraham, really, if you were truly followers of your Father Abraham, then you would look at me and welcome me with open arms. You would embrace me. You would rejoice that I'm here and you would hang on every word because your father Abraham looked forward to my day and rejoiced in it. And they said, you're crazy. You're not even 50 years old. And yet you're talking about Abraham looking forward to you. This guy's nuts. To which, oh, I love this, I just, oh, it just gives me chills. John eight fifty eight. here's Jesus' response. Jesus said to them, I assure you, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> what Jesus was doing here, don't miss this, what Jesus was doing is he was undeniably completely, obviously connecting himself to the one in the burning bush calling Moses to go deliver his people. He was connecting his name with the name Yahweh. He was saying, I'm not just a man before you. I am the great I am. I am the God that all of you should be worshiping. It was undeniable. He was saying, before you is the very same I am, that appeared to Moses, that called him out, 
and the God of your father, Abraham. It's me. It's me. We know that that's exactly what he was saying, and they completely understood the weight of what he was saying, the power of his claim, the boldness and the audacity of what he said, because right after he said this, they took up stones and they tried to kill him. And they wouldn't do that if they didn't connect the dots and fully grasp what he was saying. It was, in their minds, blasphemy, because it was an open claim to deity. He was claiming the divine name, the name of power for himself, thereby directly claiming to be Almighty God, which he was and is and always will be. So, who is I am? Who is the I am? It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, Creator, Savior, and Sustainer. It's Jesus. And in In the I am statements, in each statement, we see that he openly claims this divinity. He he claims that name in each statement. He says, I am, and then he follows that up with a direct result of him being the I am, a direct result of his divinity. In other words, he's saying, because I am God, because I am Yahweh, I can uniquely provide what no one else can, and I can be the exclusive source of everything you need. And he gives an example in each statement of what he alone can provide. And the first of those statements that we find is in John chapter 6, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. So in John chapter 6, we'll start with verse 35. And once again, I just want to give you a little bit of context Previously to what we're going to be reading, Jesus performed one of his greatest miracles ever, which was the feeding of the 5,000. You guys remember that, right? You probably, some of you remember even the flannel graph, right? Where you have the people put up on the flannel graph board and, and you have the fish and everything, right? It's, it's what a lot of people know, even if they don't know much about the Bible. The feeding of the 5,000 is famous. So Jesus had just done this great miracle and, and he and the disciples retire after they collect all the, the remnants of the food. And they're out on a boat. And there's a great storm. And Jesus isn't in the boat. He hadn't gotten in with them. And so the disciples are looking around. And they're like, where, where is Jesus? Where is he? And all of a sudden, there's this figure that comes walking out on the water. And they think, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. It's I. It's the Lord. And he gets in the boat. And immediately... They are to the shore, miraculously. I mean, it's like, they're there. I mean, it's like Superman is back there, you know. But it's not Superman, it's, it's Jesus, it's the great I am. And he, he instantly puts them on the shore, and they, they walk up to this mountain, and all these people, the people that had just been fed the day previous, they're looking for Jesus, and they're like, we can't find Jesus. And, and they, they see him coming up off of, this, off of this hill, and they say, Rabbi, when did you get here? We've been looking for you. We, we, want, we want to be with you. And Jesus is like, no, 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 that, you can't fool me. <laughs> you can't get one over on me. You're not looking for me. You're looking for your next meal. You were so amazed by the, the miracle I did and the fact that you got full so quickly, you want some more. You're like, all right, this guy can just provide us for food forever. So let's just keep following him and we just get a meal every time. He said, you're interested in the material thing. You're interested in the miracle, not in the one who did the miracle. I see through you. And they, they get a little offended by that. And he says, you know, you guys, you've got to stop looking 
at the, the physical of life and you've got to lift up your eyes to see there's so much more. You, you've got to stop being so consumed with the here and the now and the things of earth and the things of flesh and you need to look above. You need to look at what God is providing for you, the bread that will always satisfy. You need to look for what I alone can provide you. Look to me. It's about more than the fish and the bread. Look to me. Get your eyes off the temporal. Get your eyes off the physical. See with spiritual eyes, and you'll see that I can satisfy your deepest longings. And basically they say, prove it. Prove it, as if he hadn't already proven it the day before. We humans, I mean, we're just really amazing, aren't we? I mean, come on. Prove it. Uh, I just did. (laughs) Doesn't matter. They wanted more proof. They wanted more proof. They said, "Do, do for us what Moses did. Send down manna like he did. To which Jesus says, I am the bread coming down from heaven, and that bread will satisfy you forever. And they say, give us this bread. Give us this bread always. Where is it? Where is it? And they're still thinking about a physical loaf of bread. They're like, where is it? We don't see it. If, if we can get bread that keeps us from going hungry, give it to us. It's like the, the woman at the well in John 4 when Jesus says, I will provide you water that you do not know of, that you will never be thirsty again after having. And she says, where is this water? Where is it? And he's like, no, 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 no. You're missing the point. It's me. It's me. And that's what he says here to this group of people. John chapter 6, verse 35. I am. Remember what that means. Yahweh, divine, the great I am. They got it. That's awesome. It's awesome. I am, what, what, what is the connection to this? What is, what is he going to uniquely be able to provide and say that he is? I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one who comes to me, the bread of life, the great I am, will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me. And yet you do not believe. You've seen, but you're not really getting it. You're not grasping what you're seeing. It's you're seeing with physical eyes, and really what he's saying here, he's saying you're glancing at me. You're observing me, but you're not really considering me. You're observing me, but you're not going further. You're not actually fixing your eyes and your considerations on me. You've seen me, yet you do not believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And it's like he, you know, already knows they're going to ask this question, so he just immediately follows it up with the, the uh, answer. This is the will of him who sent me that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son, and by seeing it means gazing on him, fixed on him, not just, oh, I see, and I look away. It's, I see, and I can't look away. I'm transfixed. One who holds them in their sight is what he's saying. Everyone who sees, who holds the Son in their view and believes in him may have eternal life. That's in the here and now. 
Because anyone who comes to Jesus and embraces him as Savior and Lord and truly grasps who he is and, and truly surrenders themselves to him, eternal life is theirs now. Is that true of you today? Have you come to Jesus Christ at some point in your life where you said you are the Son of God, you are the Savior, and I need you completely, and I give you my life. Thank you for giving your life for me. If you've done that, then my brother or my sister, eternal life is yours right now. It's it's yours. It's not something you have to wait to receive. It's yours now. And at some point in, in an undetermined point by us, but very determined by God and his sovereignty, Our here and now will catch up to his. So, everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life right now and future far off. I will raise him up on the last day as a culmination of what you already possess. See? See that connection? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? This is who Jesus is. This is Jesus, the bread of life, the great I am, that no one else can claim to be and no one else can offer with what he offers. So what this means, church, Christian, what this means, even those of you who might be here and and have not embraced Jesus Christ yet, What this means for all of us is that in him, in Jesus, in the great I am, in Jesus, the bread of life, the source of all fulfillment, in him I can be fully satisfied. In him I can be fully satisfied. And that's really good news. That's really good news because we are always, always looking for things that satisfy us. We are always, always looking for things that will fill us up. And the problem is we often look to other sources besides Jesus. And when we do that, anytime we're looking to anything else to fulfill us or to satisfy us, it will always leave us empty. And it doesn't matter how good that thing might be. I mean, I'm talking about the ability to look at really good things, really beneficial things that in and of themselves aren't bad. Things like family. Family's great. Family's wonderful. Husband and wife, children. I mean, it's what God designs to happen. It's a good thing. But when we look to our family to satisfy, two things happen. One, we're really treating them badly because it's unfair to them to put them up on a pedestal of satisfaction that they cannot provide for. So it's not fair to them. Secondly, the thing that happens is we'll always come up empty. They'll never really be able to satisfy and we'll still be looking. Family's a good thing, but if we're looking to it to satisfy, it becomes a bad thing. Ministry. Doing things for the Lord, for the kingdom. Good things, great. It's great to do. We need all of us to be very much engaged with kingdom work. It's a great thing. It's what we're called to be. We're saved to serve. But if I'm looking to my ministry, whatever that may be, as my fulfillment and as my satisfaction, once again, I'm going to come up empty. It's not going to be able to satisfy And I'm going to get burned out, and those I'm ministering to are going to get burned out, and and it's really sinning against God because it's, it's idolatry. And on and on I can go. I think you see the point. 
Anytime we look to someone or something other than Jesus for our fulfillment, I'm talking about ultimate fulfillment, for our satisfaction, our lasting satisfaction, it's never going to work. And that's why we have families and individuals and churches and communities in the mess that, that, that all that's in. Because we so often look to the wrong source. And we so often get our eyes off of the one who can satisfy and who will fully satisfy Jesus Christ. Psalm 1611 says this, You, David speaking to God, and we can certainly apply that to Jesus, because again, Jesus is the Son of God, co-equal with the Father, even though he is separate from him. He is the great I Am. He is Yahweh. David says this in Psalm 1611, You, you God, you will make known to me the path of life. That's real life, lasting life. In your presence is fullness of joy, which we all want. We all look for that, right? In your right hand, in your right hand, not anyone else's, in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. It's only in God that we will be fully satisfied. And that has been fully and personally revealed through the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question then is, all right, so if in him I can be fully satisfied, then the question is how, right? How? And in what ways? In what ways? So let me, let me provide that for you. Right from the text that we just read in John six thirty-five through 40. In Jesus, in the great I am, who is the bread of life, the ultimate bread of life, and the source of all satisfaction in him, I can be satisfied, first of all, in my spiritual hunger. In my spiritual hunger. It's in John chapter 6, verse 35 that we just looked at, where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus told them, No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. This is not his promise about physical bread or physical drink. Remember, he's trying to get his listeners' minds off of the physical. He's saying, no, look beyond the physical. Look to me. I'm talking about your spiritual need. I'm talking about the spiritual hunger that everyone has. And it applies to all of us. We all have in us a deep, abiding spiritual hunger. And it's why we're always looking for ways to satisfy that. And whether they admit it or not, the world out there is also spiritually hungry. That's why they try all kinds of different things. They try this religion and that religion. And and when that fails them, they try this substance or that substance. And when that fails them, they try this relationship or that relationship. Because everything we all look for goes far, far beyond a physical need. We might feel a physical need, but our longing is far more than physical. All of us have a spiritual longing. The Bible says that God has set eternity in the heart of man. We're all longing for something more. And we all know there's something more. And very early on in life, we start searching for it. But if that search does not end with Jesus Christ, then we're going to keep searching. Pointlessly, aimlessly. Jesus is saying, this spiritual hunger that I know you have, and even you know you have, it's only going to be satisfied in me. So you have to come to me. You have to embrace me. And I will provide that which you're longing for. 
It's really what he says, what Jesus says in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 6, where he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's the key. For they shall be filled. In other words, I will fulfill that hunger, that hunger for righteousness, that hunger to be what God has called you to be, that no one else can provide for you, that no one else can satisfy. Blessed are those who hunger in this way and look to me to provide it because I will fill them up every time. That's what he's saying here. So in him I can find that my spiritual hunger is satisfied. And I have to remember that. And you have to remember that because we get so distracted. Also in addition to that, I I can be satisfied fully in my hunger for acceptance. In my hunger for acceptance. John 6, 37. Jesus' promise is this. Everyone the Father gives me Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. It's going to happen. Maybe not on human timetable, but it will happen. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, listen to this, I will never cast out. I will never throw away. I will never get rid of. I will never reject. I will never turn my back on them. They're with me and I'm with them forever, for good, period. We all want acceptance. We all do. We all hunger for it. We all look for it. We all search for it. And when we don't have it, it devastates us. It breaks us down. We, we all feel that. You know what I'm talking about. We, some of us like to pretend, oh, I don't care about anybody. I don't care if I'm accepted or not. I don't care if I'm liked or or wanted or not. No, baloney. Everybody, we all want to be accepted. We all want to feel that we matter to someone else. We all want to have a relationship connection. It's just there. It's in us. And we know what it's like to feel accepted, and we know what it's like not to. But my friend, in Jesus, in Jesus Christ, the great I am, the bread of life, you will always find acceptance. Always. doesn't matter what you've done or who you've been or who you are right now. If you come to him with full trust and full faith in who he is and what he's promised and you lay yourself down, the promise is he will accept you and you will stay accepted. So I can find my hunger for acceptance satisfied in him fully and forever. And then lastly, we see that in him, in the great I am, in Jesus, the bread of life, I can be fully satisfied in my hunger for secure, eternal life. And my hunger for secure, eternal life. John six thirty nine through 40 communicates that awesome, awesome promise and reality. Jesus says, this is the will of him who sent me, the Father, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. See, everybody's looking for the fountain of youth. Everybody is. We all want to know that there's life possible beyond this life. We all want to know that this isn't it, that this isn't the period on my story. We all want to know that, and we we look for that, and we search for that, and we desire that, and we feel that longing. 
We all want to know that we can live forever in joy and in peace and in beauty. It's only going to be found in Jesus Christ. It's only going to be found in him. And the beauty of this statement and the encouragement of this statement is this. My salvation and your salvation, my eternal security, my eternal hope, my eternal destination does not depend on or rest on me or my effort. And it doesn't rest on you or yours. Isn't that good news? Just as as we could not save ourselves, just as we could not bring about the salvation that we all need, so we cannot keep ourselves saved. And the great news that Jesus provides here is, you don't have to, because I provide it. Just as I am the source of your salvation, I'm the maintainer of it. Just as I am your Savior, I will sustain you in that salvation. I could not bring about my salvation, and my staying saved does not depend on me. It's found in Jesus, the source and the giver of secure eternal life. Do you know him today? Do you know this Savior? Do you know this bread of life? Do you know this great I am today? If not, why wait? Makes no sense. You have Almighty God standing over your life, speaking over your life, saying everything you're looking for, everything you're searching for, all of it, your spiritual hunger, your hunger for acceptance, your hunger for a secure, eternal life, it's all found in me and I'm, I'm giving it to you. I'm offering it to you. Come to me. As Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus says there, come to me all, all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. It's only found in Jesus only found in him. Let's pray. Maybe you are here and you have been looking and searching for all kinds of different sources of satisfaction and fulfillment. But all your searching and all your looking has just just left you dry and empty. I mean, you are like the Mick Jagger song. I can't get no satisfaction. It's what you're saying. It's what your life says right now. But you have heard today from the Word of God about the eternal Word, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the great I Am. And you have heard from Him through His Word, in His words, you have heard I am that which you have been looking for. I am that which you've been seeking. I am that which you've been hungering for, but without ever being able to get that hunger met. I am all that you need, and I am all that you've been wanting. Come to me. That's what Jesus is saying to you today. If you've never embraced him as your Savior and Lord, and he's inviting you to do that now, And I am too. Is there anyone who would say, 
Yes, that's, that's me. I, I've been looking at all kinds of other sources and examples of life, of meaning, of fulfillment, of satisfaction. I've been looking for all kinds of different methods of, of trying to answer this hunger that's deep within me and nothing's worked. And I believe, I believe today, I believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. I believe he is who he claimed to be, that he is the great I am, that he is the bread of life. And I want to embrace him today. I want to know him fully and therefore know full satisfaction, full fulfillment that never fades and never goes away. I want to know this Savior, this God today. Is there anyone who would say, that's me? I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to point you to people who can talk with you and counsel with you further. Is there anyone who would say, that's me? You describe me. Let me know by just slipping up your hand. I'm not going to call you up here or embarrass you. I just want to pray for you that that you will respond to God's call. Anyone at all? That's me. I, I need this bread of life. I need Jesus. Anyone at all? Well, the good news is, even if you don't raise your hand and do any type of physical di- display of that kind, you can still, right where you are, right there in your seat with him, you can come to him and embrace him as your Savior. And I hope you do, if you have not already. Christian, my brother, my fellow brother and sister in Christ, let me just encourage you and challenge you once more. Do not, do not look to other false fulfillments, false sources of provision and satisfaction. Stop doing that. Reject those. They are lies and mirages of the enemy. In Jesus, your Savior and your Lord and your God, in him alone is satisfaction and fulfillment. Remember that. Remember that. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you most of all for your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the great I Am, who is co-equal with you and in complete harmony and fellowship with you as he has been for all of eternity. Thank you for him revealing himself to us as the bread of life that we all need desperately. We pray that by your Spirit you would work in our hearts and minds however you know that we need to have your work done, whether that's for salvation or to be reminded of the satisfaction that is in Christ alone. Do that work in us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.